Welcome to Unity of Tucson. Thank you. So as I said, the song has nothing to do with my message today. Um, it really is for the prayer chaplains and the dedication that they have taken into their hearts to see the true colors in everyone whom they encounter. And that's quite a calling. I mean, it is quite a calling. Um, I remember when I first became, you know, I, for those of you who are, I'm like, who isn't aware anymore? Um, for those of you who are not aware, I did not start off as a unity minister when I became a minister. I started off in the religious science branch of New Thought. And before becoming a minister, you have to become what they call a practitioner. A practitioner, and it's a prayer practitioner, a licensed prayer practitioner, someone who, in, in a similar way, works with people in prayer. And... Uh, one of the things I've always held to is that ministers learn how to run a church, but we are each and every one of us first and foremost practitioners. As prayer chaplains, you are practitioners of prayer. And it is important to me that prayer be primary. There's a flying thing in my face. Uh, that prayer, <laughs> sometimes it just happens, right? That prayer be primary as a practice. And so that's... That's a, that's a high calling, to make yourself available to others, to serve. And if you are interested, I'm just going to say, if you are interested in being a prayer chaplain here at Unity of Tucson, please speak to me, speak to Laura. We can invite you onto that path. And it's quite a path. So that said, I now have to begin my message today by telling you this. I have a little bit of a problem a little bit of a problem. And together, here's what I know. We can find a solution. We can find a solution. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about, you know, what the problem is and how I have come to uh, be unsettled by this problem in just a few moments. But I want to start by really talking about conformity because that's really where it all stems from. My problem stems from this idea that I, in some way, must conform to what everyone else is thinking or what everyone else is saying. And if we teach anything within unity or anything within the New Thought movement, we are teaching to not conform, to let go of this notion that we are conformists in any way. Um, do you all remember the movie Dead Poet Society? I love that movie. Uh, it may be that I was coming of age and going through my a particular kind of awakening at 16. And it was, <laughs> this is going to sound, so, I, don't, I don't mean to sound crass, but I'm going to put it out there this way. And I went and saw this movie multiple times in the theater because it was really attractive young men. Get it? <laughs> I love that. Some people are applauding. Like, oh, Yes. That, all kidding aside, the, the, the message of that movie ultimately is to not be a conformist. And I think that really resonated with my soul before I understood what it really meant. And I think that's ultimately why I was drawn to that, to that particular movie and that particular story. So there's this one scene in the story uh, where Professor Keating played by Robin Williams, has his class come out into the courtyard, and he says, just start walking in a circle. 
Um, and he says, you know, there are no grades at stake. Just take a stroll, right? And so it's three of the, three of the students who start walking in the courtyard, and they start going in a circle. And they're all walking in their own rhythm and time and everything. And eventually, they all sync up so that they're all marching along, basically, taking the same steps. And as they're doing so, the rest of the class is standing to the side watching this happen, and they all start <laughs> clapping along in time. And Professor Keating asks them why they think they started walking. He said, it is so easy to conform. It is so easy to conform. And he said, and to those of you who are standing on the sidelines, thinking, oh, well, I would have walked in my own rhythm and pace, ask yourself why you were clapping. So easy to go down that road of conformity. You know, we can fall into it so quickly, so quickly. And I know that a major part of my ministry, and I've talked about this a lot, especially uh, having shown up here, because I've had to release, ready? I've had to release my notions of conformity to a particular branch of the New Thought movement to open myself up to something new by becoming a unity minister. Because there's a lot of conformity in organization. There's conformity in religious science. There's conformity in divine science. There's conformity in unity. And we're all up here conforming and saying, don't conform. (laughs) Conformity. Well, Emerson said it best. Ralph Waldo Emerson, there is a time in every man's education when he arrives at the conviction that envy is ignorance, that imitation is suicide. None but he knows what that is which he can do, nor does he know until he has tried. The thing that really sticks out for me and has always stuck out for me in this particular quote is, imitation is suicide. Just strong words. That is strong language, right? It's very strong language. Imitation is suicide. It is saying that to the degree that we conform with the rest of society, what we perceive society to be, we are giving up our life. I say no. No more of that. Let's reclaim our uniqueness. Let's reclaim our identity. Let's reclaim the truth of who we are. Because God is here expressing as all things. This is inclusive of each and every one of us. And God did not say, you must be like everyone else. Because if God were to let that be an edict down from above, well, then we would have no choice. We would have no free will. We would have no way of breaking out of that. So the great gift that we have in this thing called life is the gift of choice. We find ourselves falling so easily into conformity. I do it still. I've been working at this my whole life. I'm 40-something years, 48 years old. (laughs) Thank you. Well, the, so, no, the thing that just popped into my mind is I got my hair cut yesterday. My husband and I go get our hair cut at the same salon, and I got my hair cut first, and apparently there was a conversation with our stylist, we have the same stylist, after I left, and she asked my husband if I got Botox. I don't get Botox, by the way. Not that there's anything wrong with Botox, I want to be really clear. Um, 
But it was just one of those funny moments. I'm like, yeah, I don't get Botox. And she, was, she apparently was like judging me, sitting there like cutting my hair and thinking, I wonder how many units he gets in his forehead. <laughs> so we find ourselves falling so easily into conformity because it helps us feel, ultimately, I think, like we are part of something greater, right? That's why we fall into conformity, because it's like, I want to be accepted. I want to feel part of the wholeness. And if I am living my own uniqueness, that may separate me or uh, live, allow me to live in a perception of separation. And that's a very lonely place to be if I decide that's a lonely place to be. To walk your own path can be very scary and lonely. It can be. But you get to decide the degree to which you allow that fear to overtake you. Because it doesn't have to be scary and lonely. It doesn't. One of the great difficulties in living this life is feeling like we are doing it alone. And so we subconsciously ask ourselves, and this is what leads to conformity, when we subconsciously ask ourselves, am I going to now reinforce this feeling by accepting all that is around me? Oftentimes the answer is yes. I will reinforce the feeling by accepting that which is around me, whether I deeply agree with it or not. Now, the truth is, none of us can live this life alone. None of us are in this alone. Even if we feel alone, we're not alone. If I'm in a room by myself, I'm never alone. It's very easy to not feel alone when you're in a community like this, right? But if I'm in a room by myself, I am never alone. I am always present with the presence. When I am present with the presence, I can be me. In relationships, it is in relationships when we allow care to be a primary consideration that we all benefit. And that is the power of the prayer chaplains. They are here to say, we are willing to care for you. So find yourself in relationship with a prayer chaplain and let them care for you. Unconditional love and support is what brought me to a spiritual community to begin with. The reason I decided to stay in spiritual community. It is the reason that I ultimately came into this path of deciding to become a minister. Because it was all about the degree to which I could offer unconditional love and support and receive unconditional love and support and live in that infinite circulation of love. Part of radical self-knowledge, and I think that what we're teaching here is radical self-knowledge. Part of radical self-knowledge is knowing that we are never without, and that is because we are part of something more. We can never be alone because we are always present with the presence. I think that's something that really Emerson was trying to get at in his essay on self-reliance, from which that quote uh, comes. There is something in each of us so much greater than we have ever been taught to believe. There is something within us that is so much greater than we have ever, here's the operative word, than we have ever been taught to believe. We are taught to believe 
less than. We are taught to believe fear. We are taught to believe shrink thyself. And then you'd show up in a unity church and I say, do not shrink yourself. Shine your light. Spread your magnificence all over the world. Because that is who you are. You are inherently magnificent because you are divine. You are this infinite presence and power showing up uniquely as yourself. That which we seek inside ourselves and recognize as coming from within ourselves is the promise of that something greater. And the promise is the divine in action in our lives. When we dare to soar, we may find we are far more than we ever imagined because we have given up the things we have been taught. When we engage in spiritual work, when we engage in spiritual work seeking within, what we discover is that that which is here is reflected in our world. And it is the great lesson to say, if there is something that doesn't feel so good out there, it is not about trying to change what it is out there. It is about allowing ourselves to come into alignment and change that which is right here in our hearts and in our minds. And as we do that, everything else out there begins to reflect that which is within. Stephen Covey said this, We see the world not as it is, but as we are, or as we are conditioned to see it. So my big question then today becomes this, how and in what way, how have I become conditioned to see the world? Am I conditioned to see it through fear lenses? There's a lot of opportunity to put on fear lenses that has existed in this world for more than 18 months now. I know you know what I'm talking about. I'm not going to get too deeply into it. But we have been conditioned into seeing the world through the lens of fear. And I say no more because the thing that will heal is love. Let go of the fear and step into the love. Be the light and life of divinity shining forth and daring to soar into a new idea that says, yes, 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 I am that which is. And that is how we will end this experience that we're all collectively having right now. So I ask you, and I want you to really take this to heart, ask yourself this question. Have we conditioned ourselves to be concerned mostly mostly with what it looks like to others to be ourselves? Oh, I must do something to look like something for other people and for their approval. Let it go. If I teach nothing else here, I'm going to continue to teach the lesson that none of us requires the approval of anybody else so long as we approve of the love and the light and the life in our heart. Amen. So have we conditioned ourselves to be concerned mostly with what it looks like to others to be ourselves rather than what it feels like to be our authentic selves? (sighs) And do we have the willingness to question that conditioning? Stop for a moment.
Not that you were doing anything. <laughs> Actually, it's a call to myself to stop for a moment, because I know I can get gregarious, I can get a little bombastic, I can get really excited. That's the God essence energy, like saying, yes, 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 yes. But I'm going to invite myself and invite us all to just stop for a moment. And in the quiet of our minds, just take a moment to consider in what way any one of us may have been short-changing the world of our authenticity. No judgment, because that may be the knee-jerk reaction is to go into judgment about whatever it is that may come up for us. Just awareness. Just awareness. Because it is in awareness that we can make change. It's just an opportunity to see what comes up. And I'm not going to tell you that I have an answer for you. I don't have an answer for you. You get to go on that journey for yourself. I've been on a journey this past year and a half, 18 months. I started at Unity 18 months ago as the senior minister. And my time has been decidedly marked with these types of considerations. My choices as the minister here at this magnificent, in this magnificent spiritual community have been tempered by conditions of precedent. My choices have been tempered by considerations of conformity and a desire, oh, you ready for this? And a desire to be liked. Because <laughs> don't we all want to be liked? And still, a lot has shifted around here, even within the fact that I still temper some of my choices with the desire to be liked. Every day, still, I question. That's a sentence in and of itself. Every day, still, I question. And I invite you, each and every one of you, I invite you all to continue questioning everything. It is in the questioning that we find it is in the questioning that we find the capacity to release that which we might otherwise have taken for granted. And one of the holdouts in this thing called ministry, one of the holdouts for me has been the habit of using antiquated language. What are you talking about? Right? You're probably going, "What the heck? Am I following this? I'm not really sure." This is the problem that I alluded to at the very beginning. I have been holding on to antiquated language that no longer serves me because it has become rote. The minute something becomes habitual and rote and has no effect on our feeling space anymore is the moment we should begin to question what it is we are expressing and experiencing so that we can open ourselves up to the more authentic self that was always there at the core to begin with. So. We recite together every single week some things. I put them up on the screen or the wall, and we recite these things together. And I've changed some of them up. 
I've taken the liberty of changing some of them up, and still, we're going to recite the vision, and we're going to recite the mission, and we're going to say the prayer for peace, and we're going to do this, and we're going to do that. And, you know, we say together this, this magnificently beautiful community prayer at the end of the service, the prayer for protection. I know you know it, right? By James Dillett Freeman, the poet of unity. But has it become rote? And what is it we are really saying when we recite that prayer for protection? The light of God surrounds me. The love of God enfolds me. The power of God protects me. The presence of God watches over me. I have some fundamental disagreements with the prayer for protection. And you know what? So did James Dillett Freeman. He was interviewed, I think it was about 10 years after he had originally written the prayer for protection. And in the interview, he said, I wrote this at a particular time for a particular purpose. He wrote it during World War II. And he wrote it for a particular time, for a particular purpose, and he actually said, what is it we need protecting from? The prayer for protection doesn't actually really mean anything because we don't need protection from anything if we know who we are. And I want to ask you right now, because there may be some of you who are sitting here going, oh, he's threatening the prayer for protection. (laughs) Check in with your reaction right now because this is exactly what I'm talking about, the degree to which we decide to conform and say this is the way it's been, so this is the way it must always be. Are you willing to let go of that? That's the question. Are you willing to let go of that, to let go of the conformity? If we are going to dare to soar, it is time we stopped allowing the ways we conform to ground us because we will never soar if we continue to conform. That's the change I am asking for. That is the charge I am tasking you with today. In Romans 12, it is written, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This is a very, very famous quote from Scripture we use all the time, and oftentimes we neglect the first part. We all, oh, be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. But remember, do not be conformed to this world. Live the life you have imagined by letting go of what you think you know. Walk out of step like those students do in Dead Poet Society when they are told to walk out of step. Be silly if you want to be silly. Be bombastic and gregarious if you want to be bombastic and gregarious. Be subtle if you would like to be subtle. Dance to the beat of your own drum in whatever way suits you best. Dare to be your authentic self because your authentic self was meant to fly. Dare to soar. Peace and blessings. You are magnificent. I have some homework this week that I'm going to... uh, 
It's, it may not be what you're expecting, because you may just say, oh, go out and do something different, right? No. Um, I actually would like you, in the next, and it's going to be two weeks, this homework is going to last two weeks, I'll tell you why shortly, I would like each of you to take a stab at rewriting the prayer for protection. <gasps> wow, that got a reaction, didn't it? <laughs> Here's what I'm going to invite you to do, in re and, and the instructions will be in the email tomorrow on Monday. These are some considerations I would like you to look at in rewriting for yourself the prayer for protection. Make it non-dualistic. That means do not put God outside the self in your language. To say, the love of God enfolds me, right? That says God is outside me, enfolding me. Look at how you can eliminate that kind of language. Also, keep it firmly in the present tense. It is all here and now. It is not in the past, and it is not something yet to come. It is right now. So keep it in present tense. Make it non-dualistic. And question for yourself as you're doing this whether you actually require or need the prayer for protection in your life. And you may, and that's okay. I would love for you to email to me what you come up with. And there's a reason why. I would like for us as a community to rewrite what it is we offer at the end of the service every single week. But I didn't want to dictate it to anybody. Because then what are you doing? You're conforming to my idea. And I want us as a community to come up with a new idea. Hi, this is Reverend Jonathan Zenz. And I want to thank you for listening to the podcast of my Sunday message. Your financial support will ensure that we can continue to offer this as an option for inspiration. You can make your tax-deductible contribution in any amount on our website, unitytucson.com. Once again, thank you for listening. You are magnificent. Namaste.